Hey out there, welcome to the Drink 5 Podcast. And tonight we're going to uh, dazzle you with our, our glittering array of fantasy knowledge, or it could just be Jason and I sitting here as two guys that know a whole lot about fantasy having a discussion. Uh, tonight is week six, truths and trends. Good morning, children. Enjoy. To the uh, Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast, I am Jason, uh, joined as always by Dave, and uh, tonight we have uh, our buddy Mike. Mike, say hi to everybody. How's it going, everyone? Thanks right. for having me. Mike is a staff writer. Mike uh, does um, player profiles, some injury reports. He helps us out on the podcast all the time, so we appreciate having you here, Mike. Um, as always, we must just start right away with what we are drinking tonight. We are all drinking the same beer at the moment. Cracked a bomber at the start of the show. It's the Lagunitas Down Low Ale, uh, ready for unlimited release. Just mm. so you guys know, it is, will be available for a long time. It was cheap as hell. It was only like three fifty for the bomber. Nice. So I, I will admit to being cheap on that. But I did get a really good six pack that will crack open when we finish this. And um, you know the Down Low. You, you you said it was skunky, and I was worried that that was why it was on sale. But it doesn't taste skunky. No, it doesn't so taste happy. skunky. Right. Smells skunky. Hoppy. Right, skunky. Right, punch it, it's it's a it's a pale ale with a sort mm. of hop heavy pale ale. So not not really an IPA or anything like that, but it's delicious and it's smooth. It and is it's from Lagunitas, so it's probably brewed, you know, just a few miles away. With care, always with care, mm-hmm. only with care. They don't brew it any other way. And then we'll have some uh, some Alpha Kings later, and that's a nice uh, semi local brewery. They're uh, you know, based in um, Three Mon- Floyds is in Munster. Munster? Okay. And uh, that's just across the border with Illinois. Um, so it, the Chicago area still. Yeah, I'm looking forward to cracking one of those. And open. those, you know, they're very popular, especially on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Dark Lord days and all that stuff that Three Floyds does. Uh, you don't see the Alpha King in the store very often. So when I saw it, I had to grab it. There we go. Thank you. Yes, it's, uh, it's going to be good. All right, so... Um, we can dive into a few of the injuries and uh, news updates. All right, guys. Well, cheers uh, to all of you. And like you said, we're cheers all drinking. The down low. We're drinking the same one right now. So if any of you guys have a whiskey or a beer or a wine or or heck whatever other beverage you have in front of you, please even crack have to it open. Have alcohol. Yeah, well, it does though. It does. It, <laughs> if you're if you're 21 and over and not an AA, then it does actually have to contain alcohol according to our uh, terms and conditions. I believe on the website, you guys can go and read that at drink5.com. I think we'll also make the pregnant woman ex- exception. Well, that's up to them. I can't see them from the radio. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, news and, and interesting things, headlines from uh, from the past week and moving into today even. Carson Palmer is now cleared and will play against the Jets on Sunday. The question is, uh, Carson Palmer has been somewhat of a disappointment this season. He certainly drafted pretty high but hasn't been playing up to spec. So will he get back on track versus a Jets defense, which has been pretty suspect, and the Jets in general have been a team that uh, other quarterbacks have been performing well against? Um, You know, the Jets are probably giving up some of the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, wide receivers, everything like that. Um, 
you know, the defensive backs have just been getting torched all year, not just the first week with A.J. Green, uh, but everyone's been sipping Mai Tais on Rebus Island this year. So uh, I think that, you know, we saw the Carolina, uh, I'm sorry, the Cardinals play much better last week. I think that they're going to be able to continue that, especially with a better quarterback in Carson Palmer because Drew Stanton clearly can't be their guy there. And, and I know he was only playing for injury, but um, it's very obvious that they want to go back to Palmer as soon as possible. Yeah, agreed. So the discussion really is, um, is it is it like a Fitzpatrick and, and Palmer thing, these two old quarterbacks playing each other? Are they at the ends of their careers, or are they going to come back, um, get back on top as the season progresses? So you're saying if you have Carson Palmer and you held on to him, you're going to start him again and give him one more shot, right? Oh, yeah, totally. He's going to be starting this week. I actually have been carrying Phillip Rivers and Carson Palmer and kind of spot-starting them. Uh, but I will be sitting Phillip Rivers this week because he plays Denver and definitely starting Palmer because he plays the weak defense of um, of the Jets. I mean, So what happens if Palmer awful. doesn't perform again? Do you get rid of him? Do you dump him from your team if he can't put up points against the Jets? Yeah, I, I would definitely consider that. I think that um, this deep in the season, you can't keep giving guys chances. After week six, uh, if something's not working out for you, then you need to make a change. Well, after this week, he plays Seattle, so if he can't do it against the Jets, then... They're not against Seattle. I would suggest a, a, an approach like I'm doing with you know having an extra guy and using him as a streaming... Not, not a streaming option, because that implies that he comes off the waiver wire, but... As you know, I can pick two guys, pick between two guys each week. See, I'd almost be tempted to start that streaming guy this week and wait and see with Palmer and see how he comes back. Maybe not well, Rivers like said, against Denver. Exactly. But... It's Rivers against Denver in that particular situation. Yep. I do have another situation with uh, Carson Palmer where it could be Fitzpatrick instead or Brian Hoyer. But I think I'm still going to go with Palmer in this situation just because that matchup is way too juicy. Yeah, see, for, for a one-quarterback league and a standard-scoring league, there's usually a lot of quarterbacks out there, so it's tough to hold two, especially if both of those guys are are sort of questionable or, or just trending up or down. But good luck to you and your matchups, and I do think Palmer will come back this week anyway. Uh, this is definitely the, the time out there that you need to give him a shot. But to Mike's point, if you have another guy who has a, a credible chance of being a decent quarterback this week, it might not be a good idea to start Palmer just because he's already been bad this so far this year. So it's tough to just jump right back in the saddle. Uh, but that is uh, that's a coin flip for me. Um, not going to get much better of a matchup though. Although we said that about Paxton Lynch last week against Atlanta, and he just you know shit the bed. So well, I think we said that it's a good place to start a rookie. I don't know if anybody predicted that he would score a lot of points or anything like that. Well, uh, Colin Kaepernick is back in the driver's seat, speaking of quarterbacks uh, that have a history of not doing very well. (laughs) Um, So Blaine Gabbert just couldn't hold it together, and no one really thought he was going to be able to. But I was surprised when Gabbert beat out Kaepernick for the starting job at the beginning of the season, mostly because uh, Chip Kelly's offense is is clamoring for, looking for a guy like Colin Kaepernick that can scramble out of the pocket and has a bunch of tools uh, to his disposal. But I'm not sure that, that it's going to work out for the 49ers in general. And I'm not getting behind Kaepernick, certainly. But in a two-quarterback league where Kaepernick was just on the waiver wire and now he's uh, starting for somebody probably this week or at least been scooped up on a bench, um, that's someone to watch. You think Colin Kaepernick is like 
worthy of being rostered at this point? Well, you remember a couple seasons ago, he could score a lot of points. I mean, the guy has the ability to uh, have rushing touchdowns. He has the ability to throw the football well. He just hasn't been exhibiting that in his last, uh, let's say, seven or eight starts in the NFL. I I mean, I, I don't really think that we're going to see it from Colin Kaepernick personally. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I've been seeing when they bring up this quarterback change, they always mention, and you know what? It's really been Christian Ponder that everyone likes to see at practice, which just means that they have no quarterback. If they have three quarterbacks, they have no quarterback. And uh, the Buffalo Bills have given up the third fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Not saying that, I don't think any of us are saying that Colin Kaepernick should start this week, but I think they're going to continue that. They haven't given up a passing touchdown for the last three weeks, and I think that it'll be four weeks in a row. Yep. Gotcha. Well, I'm certainly not saying to start the guy, just that he right. has, has been scooped right. up in totally. leagues that uh, that have multiple QBs on their But on their even rosters. in a two-quarterback league, I wouldn't suggest starting him. Uh, the Lions just signed Justin Forsett. Of course, he was with the Ravens, and he went through at the beginning of the season this neat little uh, maneuver where he was taken off and then put back on the roster just to uh, you know allow some other guys some room. And uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be played right away, but I would expect them to... Give him a look, especially because Justin Forsett has been a starter in the league for uh, a couple of years on various teams. And right now they have Dwayne Washington, who is uh, is injured. And uh, so they're looking at Theo Riddick and Zach Zenner. Theo Riddick isn't really a three-down guy. So if Zach Zenner is not the guy, which it doesn't look like he is, I would expect Justin Forsett to go in and do short yardage work as soon as he can you know, uh, learn a couple plays, which for a running back is right away. So, um, again, for... Forsett's a smart guy. He could pick up the playbook quick. For a deeper league, I would suggest that Forsett could be an interesting um, an interesting move. But I don't think anybody's really playing the Lions running backs except for Riddick, who has been pretty impressive um, sporadically throughout the last two seasons. So, uh, just something to, to keep an eye out for. Uh, again, with some injury news related, Tony Romo is back on schedule. Latest news says that he is completely healed, but of course he hasn't been practicing in a hardcore fashion for a number of weeks now, so he's going to have a couple weeks to get back to spec. Now, with Dak Prescott playing decently and the Cowboys rolling with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, is that something that we still expect to see Romo back in the driver's seat in week eight, like we were saying earlier, or uh, some rumors have said maybe week 10 or week 12, if, if the Cowboys are still doing well, this could be one of those situations where we had uh, a member with the Chicago Bears, for example, where we had, um, who is it, Orton lead the team to the playoffs, and then the switch back out to the starter, which didn't work out that well for the Bears. <laughs> But, I mean, that could be the same situation here because they certainly eh. still say that he's the starter, and I, I think that he'll go back in the driver's seat personally. We don't need to analyze Super Bowl Forty Two. I don't know that it was the quarterback's fault. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to put a blame there. But, I mean, this year Jerry Jones is making it clear that Tony Romo is the uh, leader of that team. and he's, I'm only pointing you know, out the situation that it was a quarterback that, that led them to the playoffs when no one expected it, that's all. Right, and I don't think anybody expected Dak Prescott to play as well as he has. You know, one of the things that I had seen for years and years with Tony Romo is when he's out, the fill-ins that they have are all garbage, and they barely ever... Uh, put up any points they never win games for them so to see them at four and one with the rookie quarterback starting is very impressive I think everybody likes that but Dak Prescott's not putting up any stats that are gonna blow anyone's socks off certainly not any stats that are gonna push Tony Romo out of the starting lineup not yet he's putting up a, a big stat. putting up wins four and one yeah and that's important but that's Tony great. Romo can Tony Romo can hand the ball to Zeke Elliott too 
and he can throw it a lot farther downfield. Well, and Bryant hasn't really done very much, and he's out for a little bit now. And so you might see like a Romo and Bryant return sort of at the same time, look for a big game there if that happens. Um, but yeah, the Cowboys are a really interesting situation because I think everybody thought that this year they could make it back, and it seems like they're still on track even without their two biggest guys. Mm-hmm. So surprising indeed, and uh, certainly doesn't bode well for the other teams in the conference when they get everybody back, all the Lego pieces back healthy. Um, the Dolphins just released Isaiah Pede earlier today, and it looks like uh, you know the rumor mill says Arian Foster is coming back, and that makes sense because they had signed Pede as depth, and so that's when you get rid of a guy and you bring back your number one running back, especially because Kenyon Drake, who's a rookie, has not performed very well, and Jay Ajayi is not a three-down back, and he's you know getting injured a little bit. He's having some issues with the goal line carries. So I expect Arian Foster to to come back and provide at least a temporary boost for those fantasy teams that own him. The thing with Foster ownership, as many of you know, is that if you own the guy, you expect him to have like these big bursts of, of uh, production in games and then to be out with some kind of injury for a couple. <laughs> well, we had 10 points and then injury. So hopefully we get the big burst somewhere. And hopefully he's in my starting lineup when that happens. Well, I mean, you're holding on to him, right? If you have Foster right now, you're not dumping him to the wire. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely uh, holding on to him in a 12-team league because there's, you know, there's tumbleweeds on the waiver wire sometimes, it feels. Sure. Although, you know, if you're looking out for those for those guys to keep swapping, I always suggest you keep one roster spot open to just kind of be a revolving door of uh, of whoever could possibly do well. Um, a lot of my teams now, I feel like I'm just holding on to uh, injured reserve people. In fact, Charles Sims just recently went on IR. Uh, Tampa put him there. And he's another cat that everybody thought during this year, even if Doug Martin retained the role, Sims was still a, you know, a flex-level player. And uh, one more, you know, just one more thing scratched off one the more list. IR, yeah. Uh, Jamal Charles says he's 100% healthy now, and he will be starting this week. So we're wondering how he will perform uh, will he step in right where he left off last year? I think the answer is that Spencer Ware will still have a role that's being impressed on us. But you can tell by our rankings, for example, um, you can you can look at them on drink5.com uh, probably later tonight if they're not already up there. They are up. I got it right right before the deadline. There you go. And uh, fantasypros.com, of course, we're part of that consensus. And what you'll see is that Jamal Charles is now ranked way above Spencer Ware, I think, from most experts. So we're all, you know, as a community kind of uh, implying that Spencer Ware had a, a good time, and I hope he enjoyed it. But as long as Charles is healthy, he will be the guy who gets the majority of the fantasy production on that team. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Why would you not give the ball to Jamal Charles as much as you can, as long as he's healthy? Yeah, although we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We we could expect kind of a, a similar you know back and forth to when he was on Kansas City with Thomas Jones, where maybe Ware is going to be playing 40% of the snaps or 50% of the snaps. Jamal Charles can still provide more production, but they know that they need to be careful, especially if they're planning on making it to the playoffs with him healthy. Um, he's had both knees injured now. So oh, it's yeah. it's tough. Yeah, still fifty percent Jamal is uh, a Jamal I want on my team and one I'm going to put in the starting lineup. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm I'm almost expecting him to score two touchdowns this game just because he's back and he's Jamal Charles. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of thing he does. It's the type of game he could have like eight rushes, sixty yards, six receptions, one hundred and twenty yards, and two touchdowns. That's exactly right. Well, that's what we're hoping if we yeah. have him on our team. 
Uh, and then the last question I have is, how long do you hold on to Eric Decker for? Uh, there was a lot of news about Decker's torn rotator cuff, so it's a, it's a bad shoulder injury, one that can plague a receiver for the entire season. And usually, I mean, if it was you or I that had a torn rotator cuff, you would go in for surgery. After you went in for surgery, you'd be fine in, you know, like eight to ten weeks or, or however long it would take us to recover. But if you're an athlete like that, you can play through it, but you're never going to be 100% that season. So if this is really his injury and he's planning on coming back in the next couple of weeks, then he's not going to be the same guy. But if he comes back and he's starting, are you starting him? I'm, st- I'm starting him until he gives me a reason not to. And even when uh, before he went down for the injury, he was still, you know, uh, the threat, the inside threat in that offense. So mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick's going to continue to pepper the ball, and I think if Decker's playing... Um, yeah, there's know. a lot of targets in that offense. I mean, I can certainly hope that Fitzpatrick is uh, puts it together a little bit more than he has been. I feel like Decker's whole career has been based off people saying, hey, it's just, you know... What's he doing? He's a product of Peyton Manning in Denver. He's just a uh, second fiddle to Marshall and and, and uh, New York, and he always just proves everyone wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been great. I, I would, I would stick with him as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is there. You know, if they have to switch to Geno Smith because Fitzpatrick is playing so poorly, then of course I, I think I would have to consider sitting even Brandon Marshall for a week. Yeah, so I think we agree. And then also there's the fact that the Jets didn't put Eric Decker on IR. And if they wanted to, they could have done that already. So it sounds like the decision has been made for him to play through this pain because they need him if they're going to try to make a a playoff uh, run this year, which is going to be pretty difficult for the Jets to do considering that they they haven't been as on track as they were when the season started. Um, so that's all I have uh, for headlines. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about that you saw over the past couple of weeks? Um, anything that's popped out to you or any sort of uh, injury concerns that we've seen on Sunday or Monday of, of last week? Just um, just football in general. Um, you know, the Vikings. Uh, what an exciting uh, just team to watch. That defense, uh, the new stadium. I mean, the stadium uh, is fun to look at. It, it, it's incredible. They're... Uh, the skull chance going on there. Um, but then Thielen, uh, who I'm sure we're going to get into in a bit, but, you know, they're just fun to watch. And how long before, when do you guys think they might lose a game? Have you looked at their schedule? Uh, this week, they're I the, think they have a tough one, right? They're, or they're the, off. They're but the they last a... unbeaten team. So when uh, when do you think they're going to lose? <laughs> uh, they have a tough game coming back from the bye, and it is against the Eagles. But after that, they play the Bears and the Lions. So um, if they can win in Philly, which they've shown they can win in Carolina, but then again, is Carolina really that good? Um, But, I mean, the Redskins, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Lions again, the Cowboys, like, I mean, they have have like three, four really good teams on the schedule right now, and that's it for the rest of the year. So, I mean, I'm certain that 12 wins is probably in this team's future. Yeah. Well, I expect Bradford to get better as he as he stays out there. Uh, you just talked about Adam Thielen, who's one of the Week 5 surprises on my list. He had seven catches for 127 yards and a touchdown. Of course, that's with Stefan Diggs out and Charles Johnson not playing especially well. Laquan Treadwell, who's the, the highly vaunted rookie who... Uh, Mike Zimmer isn't even putting on the field for various reasons this year. So Adam Thielen is kind of the surprise offensively of that team. You know, they have some running backs that are decent, 
performing better than Adrian Peterson did, which doesn't bode well for his career going forward. Um, they have a quarterback that's continuing to be better and better, and they have the best defense in the league right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised if they if they lose more than four games, personally. Cool. I mean... So we're on Team Vikings? Then? Yeah, I think we're all in, in uh, unanimous support. Vikings, Vikings Steelers, Super well. Bowl. Yeah, and Jason will tell you, um, whenever they turn over to the Vikings game on red zone, it becomes defensive red zone. Mm-hmm. Defensive red zone. Defensive red zone. That's how it works now. Which doesn't it doesn't sound fun, but it actually is a pretty fun uh, experience. <laughs> it's not fun. No, it's not as fun as offensive red zone, which is default red zone usually. Uh, other surprises from this past week, Brian Hoyer, we touched on him briefly. He had uh, 33 of 43 um, passing attempts for 397 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, another guy that you know helped out that Bears offense is uh, a, a hot waiver pick this week, which is Cameron Meredith, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, question from the chat room is, who do you guys think is a top waiver pick that could make the rest of the season uh, uh, good for your fantasy team? And the answer, I guess, is uh, a guy that could take over as the number one um, anybody who has the ability to uh, to put up starter statistics when right now he's owned by you know less than thirty percent of people. So definition of a of a good waiver pick. I still think guys like Kenneth Dixon have the opportunity to to lead um, the backfield in Baltimore, especially because uh, offensive coordinator Mark Tressman was just fired, so they're going to run the ball a lot more. I feel like. Um, and we just talked about Cameron Meredith. We'll talk about him a little later. Um, and, and just a, a quick preview of, uh, of some of the waiver wire pickups that um, the writer on Drink 5 staff, Jim Hutchins, does on a, on a weekly basis. We have um, James White, who's owned by 46% of people, but with Brady returning now, he's probably going to be the guy who's getting peppered with passes in the short field. Um, Devontae Booker on Denver is a pretty good uh, choice as well at running back because it looks like C.J. Anderson is losing touches. Yeah, it almost looks like a timeshare over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Curley, who's a guy we've talked about for several weeks on San Francisco, now with Kaepernick back, you really have to see whether or not they're going to have a chemistry together like the Gabbert did. But Jeremy Curley just acquired this year, and now he's getting tons of targets every single game. It's like they're forcing the ball to him. And I mean, I, I think last week I was watching the game and they passed to him like three or four times in a row, just downfield, you know, gaining 10 yards after 10 yards. And he's not an explosive talent, but if he's their entire offense, then it doesn't really matter. No, I mean, I'd almost tread lightly there. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, it's he had a uh, relationship, uh, you know, established connection with Gabbert. Let's see what happens with Kaepernick uh this week and sure but i'm looking at targets we always look at targets targets so he's averaging nine targets per game and the last over the last two games he's had uh 14 of 22 for 190 and two touchdowns so you're right that was with a different quarterback but i still think the game plan is going to be to pass to curly absolutely (laughs) we'll see how long it lasts yep um other than that i don't think this week there are that many waiver wire picks that can be game changing I mean, you talk about guys like Jesse James that we'll discuss, uh, but but he's a guy who's touchdown dependent. Um, uh, Alex Smith is a good quarterback play this week versus Oakland, but again, it, it's just you know a bye week fill in kind of thing. You're not going to have Alex Smith take over at quarterback for your team. 
Yeah, no, there's uh, that player isn't this week. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, it's always that guy that's filling in and getting the lion's share. Uh, you know, one guy, if we look back a couple weeks, kind of like Jordan Howard until Langford's back, um, it just hasn't come yet. So it's, you know, if, if you have that number one pick, I wouldn't really burn that waiver pick on anyone this week unless you're, you're really – desperate for a wide receiver and you know maybe a sammy Coates or something like that is out there uh but yeah i'd still hold tight and wait it out well that's a good point so you bring up sammy Coates, who again we'll talk about i'm sure but he is uh is a guy who had a great game last week something like six for a hundred plus and a touchdown or two touchdowns Mm -hmm. and uh he looks like he's eased into that number two role as a as a wide receiver on the steelers Pass happy offense. Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in theory, but but really in reality, what usually happens um, is that Antonio Brown gets the lion's share. Uh, there's some tight ends, and then I mean, we were thinking Eli Rogers when he was playing earlier this mm-hmm. year. We thought Marcus Wheaton for a number of years now, but none of those guys have really worked out. Um, and Eli Rogers can't stay healthy. Plus, he's not a big target. So to have someone to split the field um, with Antonio Brown, if Sammy Coates can maintain this level of play, he will definitely be a startable wide receiver every game. Yes. So so that could be the guy you're looking for. But, and I was just going to look this up, I would assume that Coates is probably owned by a lot of, uh, a lot of people already in leagues. I yeah. don't know exactly how many, so I'm, I'm checking it out. Yeah, please do. I know it's a, a hot topic uh, in some of the communities that you know I follow and read. Um, so yeah, he's uh, as a Steelers homer. Um, you know, not just as a Steelers homer, but a, he's a number two guy there. Uh, he keeps getting the targets. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely worth owning. He's filling in for that uh, that Bryant role. Uh, so if you think about where Bryant was valued, um, you know they're they're two different players, but. It's fair to say that he's gonna he's filling in that role for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. He's worth owning and he's worth starting. Yeah, so he's only owned in thirty nine percent of leagues, so he's definitely a waiver wire selection as well. But in a lot of leagues, like uh, you know, if you have a more experienced group of people, he's already gone. So mm-hmm. just check yours and make sure that he didn't slide by because out of all of those guys, I think that he'd be the guy that I prefer to have on my team if you've got that revolving door right now. In fact, uh, even more than a revolving door, um, Coates might end up inching his way into your lineup sooner rather than later. Yep. Um, so, yeah, six for 139, two touchdowns. That's a, it's a great game that he had yesterday. I mean, uh, on Sunday. Um, it feels like yesterday. It does. <laughs> uh, one other guy that I think we should touch on as a, as a really surprising performance was Greg Olson. Uh, it's not surprising that he did well because he's been doing well for years now on Carolina. What's surprising is that he had 181 yards. It's a career high for him in yardage. And uh, I think everyone knows that the Panthers really depend on him as an every-down player and a move tight end. But I didn't know if Derek Anderson, filling in for Cam Newton, was going to have that same affection for Greg Olson. And turns out they're kissing cousins from way back. So they they really did uh, put up good numbers. And uh, Olson is a guy that's not available anywhere, of course. But uh, if you had him on your team, you might have had your mouth agape, you know, uh, while this performance was going on. Yeah, he uh, he made fantasy owners uh, happy, that's for sure. I don't own him in any leagues. I went against him uh, in one, and Cam Newton will be back this week. But, you know, Greg Olson's going to be fine regardless. Mm-hmm.
So let's move on to the next beer here, shall we? Alright, well, I can open one for you. Here, let's pass them down the line. So we'll uh, we'll chat about what beer we're we're getting into right now. Uh, another question from the chat is uh, about a Q questionable next to uh, Mike Wallace's name, and uh, Sex and Donuts is asking if Wallace is injured. If there's any information about it, well, I saw the game, and at the very end of the game, he had a huge hit put on him. Uh, had a little bit of a tough time getting up. So I haven't seen any specifics about the injury, but it does look like he was uh, limited in practice earlier. Um, uh, or will be limited in practice going in this week, and I think he'll be just fine. It's just that he had such a big hit on him that you know, <laughs> stars <laughs> takes a while for the stars to he fade. Had little Tweety Birds flying around his head after that one. Well, what's unfortunate is if you get a hit like that at the very end of a game, then you don't really get a chance to see if the player is okay because the game is over. Yeah. So you know, it's also going to depend on whether or not Steve Smith is healthy and comes back. He did leave the game last week and didn't come back. So, um, Mike Wallace being questionable or not, we don't know, but you know, keep an eye on Steve Smith as well because if he's out, Wallace is going to have a bigger um, role, and they just switched offensive coordinators in Baltimore. Yeah, they said, they said that he was okay, Steve Smith, but okay, good. I actually would prefer Steve Smith is, is healthy for Mike Wallace's production because that way someone has to be taking Steve Smith too. And it's like, which, which, which guy do you focus on? You know the the deep downfield threat, or or the, the guy uh, who runs across over the middle with no fear, or the crazy possession receiver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, it's a tough situation when you get a new offensive coordinator. Um, a couple things happen, right? So usually they concentrate on those players that the um, getting coach the likes. getting the players the ball that the the coach or or the city really likes and is rooting for because that OC the new one wants to be cast in a good light. I'm sure that Baltimore is going to focus on running the ball more. Um, that seemed to be the thing that Mark Tressman ignored, right? Mm, right? They ran the ball well early in games before you know teams are ready for it, and yet you know they wound up just abandoning it. Yeah, they had they had a really good uh, uh, time running the ball. It's very similar almost to Green Bay, where it's like Eddie Lacy is running for forty yards per carry, but for some reason they don't give him the ball. I never I never understand that. It when makes that a little more sense in Green Bay, right? Because you've got Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> yeah. but I mean with Joe Flacco, you know he's not he's not as good as the contract they gave him. He's not that good. They shouldn't give him the ball as much. They should run the ball more. Yeah, I agree. Although Flacco has one of the best deep arms in football, but he is not an overall excellent quarterback like Rodgers is. Of course, nobody's an Aaron Rodgers. So, <laughs> although I say that, you know, this year hasn't been amazing, but but he's he's on his way up still. He's yeah, per game he's in the top three, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, so each week after the first couple, we like to jump into something called player trends, where we go over a number of players, and we're actually going to bet on that. Um, Jason can talk a little bit about what we did last week, and uh, you know a quick overview of how that went. But before we get into that, Jason, uh, we did just pop open a couple new beers, and one of my favorites, actually. Oh yeah, this is a great one. Um, this is the Alpha King from Three Floyds. It's a pale ale. Uh, Three Floyds is a brewery out of Munster, Indiana. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. Um, so, as it says, Alpha King is a bold yet balanced American pale ale with slight sweetness and an aggressive citrus hoppiness. So, that's like all of the things I like in beer. 
right? And it's a great color. It's not one of those light-looking beers that you're wondering, you know, does it have flavor? This is a very uh, almost amber beer. Huh. So you can just tell, you can just see the calories floating around in that, in that <sighs> pint glass. Right. It, it's fantastic. So uh, recommend it if you've never had it. It's the opposite of Doc Nick Riviera's advice of it's your window to weight gain. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't see through it. It's your window to a beer gut. But, you know, all things in moderation. That's right. Including moderation. So uh, so last year, week five, <laughs> let's just uh, let's just lightning round it and go over what happened there. And then we'll jump into this one. Uh, we'll, we'll place our wagers. Um, of course, that's Jason, myself, and Mike. And then we will also uh, we'll, we'll let you know what we're betting on, which is always fun. All right. So last week, our wager was that uh, the winner is going to pick a uh, local establishment to go to, usually someplace that brews their own beer. Um, and they're going to get two Sixters and everything taken care of while we're there. So it's a pretty sweet deal. I think that we went a little uh, hardcore on this bet. But Troy was a little woozy after coming back from London. Um, you know, he was it was about 8 in the morning for him. So we'll just let him slide on that. He uh, did participate in this one with us. So it was me and uh, Dave and Troy. So the first player we had was, of course, Cam Newton, who did not play. So we scratched that one off. After that, we had John Brown. Who, but, but had he played, I would have won. I just uh, want everyone to know that. <laughs> Dave and I went over on his 21 <laughs> points. We'll see. Uh, so we had John Brown, who uh, we put at 8.5 points. <clears throat> he only scored 1.1. So, Dave, you were the only under on that one. Good job. Uh, next, we had DeAndre Hopkins, who we set at 7 points. He scored 11.6. Thankfully, he got back to double digits. Uh, you and I were over, so that's another one for you and my first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, we put it seven. He scored seven point seven, so I almost—I was the only under on that one. I almost got it. Uh, Jordan Howard, we put it nine points. He had a huge game, twenty-two point three. Uh, Troy and I went over on that one, so we get that. Matt Forte, we set it ten points. He only scored six, um, so the unders win that one. Dave and Troy. Uh, finally, at tight end, we had Jason Witten, who we set at 5. He scored only 4.3. Uh, that would be under. That was you and I. Uh, Troy got the uh, tiebreaker, which was the Tom Brady yards. Uh, he had 320 and higher, and he had 406 yards. So, you know, Tom Brady middle finger tour is in full effect right now. Yeah, that one was always going to be high. So I'll gladly accept the beers and the, and the flights at the brewery. I appreciate it, guys. Yes, congratulations, Dave. You win with five. Uh, Troy and I tied with three. Uh, he does take the tiebreaker. So um, really, no, there are no losers in this because we're going to go somewhere and enjoy some good beers. Except that if you were to classify someone as a loser, it would be both of you. Yeah, you guys lost. you got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take him where I can get him, right? So... Uh, so player trends, uh, just to, to let everybody know, Jason came up with a really neat rule, which I think we're going to continue, and that is uh, we will go over um, the last three weeks' performances and the fantasy points that the players got in those games. Uh, then I will set a line, uh, depending on uh, if they're trending up or down, and, uh, and then what we'll do is if everybody guesses the same, then we'll either increase that upwards or downwards, depending on uh, the trend of the player, until one person doesn't guess the same as the others. All right? So uh, we have two quarterbacks, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Try to move quickly through this, and if you guys have any questions, we'll break into this with your questions. Uh, We also have uh, a segment at the end for some lineup changes if we get to it, because we do have a 90-minute sort of a hard lock. Um, 
And I would like to mention that uh, if, if you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast under Drink5 Network and or Stitcher, if you uh, don't like Apple for some reason, hey, there's people out there that are anti-Apple. There are many different options for you. <laughs> uh, there are people out there that uh, were anti-Apple that were Samsung supporters, but not many of those people. I'm Amiga for life. Not many Samsung reporter, uh, supporters out there after today where they've decided that they're just going to completely stop selling the Galaxy Note 7. Recall all of them, yeah. Because uh, even though they tried to create a new version of it that didn't blow up, they did not succeed at that. That blew up in their faces. I'm going to be traveling to Nashville in a couple weeks, and I hear that uh, on uh, on airplanes nowadays, uh, in the past month or so, now that this has become a big thing, it's like five or six announcements. Every ten minutes there's an announcement about if you have a Galaxy Note 7, you have to give it to us. <laughs> you know, so the plane doesn't blow up and stuff. <laughs> well. They're like little bombs. It's, it's insane. The, well, they recommended immediately turn your phone off. Yep. And then get rid of it. And leave it off. Right. And throw it away. Well, yeah. <laughs> essentially that's what you're doing. No, there's videos. They send you uh, a box and then a fireproof bag to put the phone in. Do they really? mail it back. So that so it doesn't blow up in the mail. So you're not just mailing it up. Uh, mailing it back. They want you to put it in this fireproof yeah, bag. Yeah, can you hey, imagine? We're, we're mailing millions of little tiny bombs through the There's mail little mail bombs. <laughs> well, that's a... That, you know, I never thought about that. Like, oh, yeah, the recall works great, except the, there were some casualties in the United States postal system. Want to kill all humans? <laughs> So, on to the player trends. Uh, first quarterback we have to talk about is Andrew Luck, and he's uh, always a great topic of discussion. So, week three versus San Diego, he scored 14 points, 14.24, 331 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Week four, he played at Jacksonville. He had 234 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception for 18.66 points. So, we're trending up now, right? Week five, played Chicago. And he was uh, 28 for 39 for 322 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions for 22.18 points. Now, the first week of uh, the football season, he played the Lions and put up 35.5 points. So that was people who drafted Andrew Luck saying, this is going to happen again for me. It's going to be fantastic, right? One of the things I always mention about Luck is that he tends to suck during the first half of the game. And the last half of the game puts up two touchdowns and you know scores all his points. Yep. But the problem is that the Colts' offense in general is having issues. It's not just Luck, and their offensive line in particular has been terrible. So Luck is actually on track for 60-plus sacks over the season if it continues at this pace. So he might not even be around and healthy at the end of the year for him to continue any of these trends. Anyway, there's something to be said for uh, playing from behind, of course. Garbage time is, is great for any fantasy quarterback, even if it's not true in reality. And Luck is always capable of a good performance, like you see in uh, Week 1 versus the Lions. So going from 14 to 18 to 22, how will he fare this week in Houston? Can he put up 18 points or more uh, to stay afloat as a weekly starter? Or uh, will he not be able to do that? And then a side question for for you, if you want to answer it, is uh, if he doesn't put up 18 points, if he kind of trends back down, is he someone that you would want to trade or drop and or replace? So we can start with uh, with Mike with uh, Andrew Luck. So eighteen or more in Houston this week. Oh, my gut's telling me to go under in Houston, but I'm gonna say over uh, because it's a, a division game. Uh, I think uh, Houston's gonna bounce back and score. Uh, put up a lot of points this week, and I think we're gonna see some garbage time. Uh, Andrew Luck. 
Really? Okay, that's an interesting uh, you know view of that. Um, I I would have to go over as well because he has a great career record against them. 14 touchdowns to three interceptions in 11 games, um, 1,300 yards. Like he, he plays well against the Texans. He has to play them twice a year. And J.J. Watt's no longer on the Houston J. Texans. J.J. Watt is not there. But, At the moment. <laughs> but the Texans, even without Watt, are only allowing you know very low points, the fourth fewest points to opposing quarterbacks. Sam Bradford, uh, the highest scoring quarterback, also possibly the best quarterback that's played them this year, uh, only has 18.64. So I'm still going to go over. I think that Andrew Luck uh, is figuring a couple things out. That um, reports of us uh, calling that a dumpster fire in Indianapolis may be premature. Well, they're not premature, but they could be turned around. Maybe someone put out the fire. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it didn't get out of hand. Um, there could be a couple of galaxy notes in that dumpster. <laughs> That's all it was. Um, so I will go over as well, which means that now it moves up to 19 points. So, okay. Mike, 19 points are over. Under. <laughs> All right, so we've got at 19, Mike goes under. Wow. Um, you know, the awkward thing is if we all go under. I, I know. What, happen, what happens then? Do I we, guess we do 18-5. 18 <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm going to stick with, with over. Okay. I, I'm going to say over as well. Okay. That is our first uh, split, guys. So uh, next quarterback, please. Oh, and I... I I forgot. I, I had to say what the actual uh, bet was for. So um, I know that we, we already did this last year, but it just sounded so delicious that I wanted to do it again. Uh, so I think we should have a bet if you guys agree. Or even if you don't, you know, that's fine. We can just do it anyway. Uh, easy bet. And that is that uh, since we all live uh, within close proximity to each other, uh, we can we can bet for a um, Akuma's Corner uh, lunch Ooh, or dinner, like and the losers will pay for the entire meal. How many beers? Well, everyone's allowed a, a beer in there. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you could do damage at Kuma's Corner. Oh, you could. You could. You could spend a hundred dollars pretty easy. Um. Yeah, that's fine. Winner gets Kuma's Corner. All, All right. right. Great. Uh. So number two quarterback that we'll discuss is Kirk Cousins. Of course, Washington's quarterback. He was ranked pretty highly overall by most experts this preseason, including us. But his recent performance has uh, him sliding to the bench in favor of some other upside quarterbacks. So week three at the New York Giants, he had 296 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 19.34 points. Pretty good performance. Not earth-shattering, but a pretty good performance. Week four versus Cleveland, he had 183 yards, but he had three touchdowns and one interception, putting up 18.32 points. Still decent, although 183 yards is pretty dismal. Um, and then playing at Baltimore in week five, just last week, he had 260 yards, one touchdown, one interception for 13.3 points. Um, week six does not give any favors to Kirk Cousins because he's going up against the Eagles' number two ranked passing defense. They only allow 194 yards per game, and they've only allowed three passing touchdowns in total the entire season. So against the Eagles, while trending down, can Cousins score at least 17 points in a standard scoring league um, to uh, to reverse that trend? So, 17. 17. So, interestingly enough, those three touchdowns that the Yields have given up, all last week to Matt Stafford. <laughs> Until then, they hadn't given up an intercept, uh, a touchdown. So, uh, again, you know, they're only, their high for the season was 18.8 points from Matt Stafford. Um, who went up early and was throwing touchdowns to Theo Riddick and stuff. 
So uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, I don't, I don't think he can make it there. I, I think I'm going to have to go under 17. Okay. I will also say under on the 17 points from Kirk Cousins. And uh, Mike, to you. Under. All right. Well, then it moves. Oh, it moved to 16. It moves to 16 points. Uh, and back to Jason. Okay. Uh, so seeing as the Eagles average is 10.87 points against, <laughs> I'm going to go under still. I will still say under as well. I'm going to go under. I mean, it's it's starting to get there. Moving Close. moving moving, the, in, moving along to 15 points. Putting the limbo bar at 15, yeah. 15 points. That's a touchdown and 250 yards. That's not too much to ask for. Well, you're saying that there's no interceptions or sack fumbles or anything. But yeah. <sighs> under. Okay, I'll go over on the 15. I'm going to go over on the 15 too. Oh, you guys suck. <laughs> it's your rule, man. <laughs> We're just we're just uh, we're just living in it. All right, so we'll set our Kirk Cousins line at fifteen. I'm going under, guys. There you go. Under. I wonder how Kirk Cousins feels about that. We can have Kirk Cousins on the show next week to discuss his sixteen point performance. Oh, that would be so Kirk Cousins of him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so running backs. Let's talk about uh, the man of the uh, of the week, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, week three versus Chicago, he had thirty attempts uh, for 140 yards. Two receptions for 20 yards. No touchdowns. 16 points. Great performance for a running back, no matter how you slice it. Week four at San Francisco. It's 23 for 138. So he's getting even more effective. Uh, One touchdown on those rushes. One reception for 19 yards. So still not really being used in the passing game, but that's to be expected from him, especially his rookie year and being what kind of player he is. Week five versus Cincinnati. 15 for 134. Even more effective on those carries. Two touchdowns there, three receptions for 37 yards, no touchdowns there, but his reception count went up a little for 29 points. So that's 16, 21, and 29 points. 65-yard touchdown last week, or 60. It was awesome. Untouched. Pretty much, yeah. That's a great offensive line. So Elliott has been trending up from his very first NFL game. Every single week he scored more points than the last. I remember in the first week or two we talked about how maybe there was you know something here that we weren't seeing. Uh, we were kind of hoping that Alfred Morris would get some more looks because Alfred Morris is only 27 years old, still a good running back, not as good as Ezekiel Elliott. Um, the Cowboys are full speed ahead now, even with a rookie under center. So is it possible for Elliott to keep going on this trend? Remember, 16, 21, 29. And he has to get at least 22 points on his first trip to Lambeau Field uh, to face the Packers in order to uh, stay on this particular trend. It goes to me first. Uh, 22 points in Lambeau Field. I, I'm just going to reach for the stars and I'll say, yes, he will do it. I'm going to go under um, at Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers is going to put up points, and Dallas might be playing catch-up. Yeah. I'm convinced, Dave, that you went through not the players who were trending, but the players who had the most difficult matchups this week. Yeah. <laughs> because the Packers are giving up the fewest fantasy points, the fewest rushing yards. They have an amazing run defense. 22 points I'd love to see from Ezekiel Elliott. I think he can do that a lot this year, but not this week. I'm going under. Okay, and and I did spend a, a lot of time on the uh, on the trends actually to try to identify some interesting ones. So thank You've you. You've got some good matchups here. They're very tough decisions. So on to Duke. 
Uh, yeah, Duke Johnson Jr., running back for Cleveland. He uh, he was the more valuable running back before the season started. Isaiah Crowell has taken the mantle, though, and has been pretty good for Cleveland. Although one could argue that Johnson has some PPR value because he gets a lot of receptions per game. Uh, he has not been a very productive fantasy player in standard scoring leagues. So week three at Miami, 10 attempts, 69 yards, five receptions for 12 yards, Uh, Week four at Washington, eight attempts for 45 yards, six receptions for 31 yards. Week five versus New England, he had four attempts for one yard rushing and two receptions for 21 yards. He has not scored a touchdown in the past three weeks. Uh, He went from eight to five to two fantasy points. Now, um, Cleveland says they want to get him more involved. Uh, He is going up against the Titans. The Titans are okay, but they are certainly not uh, one of the best rushing defenses, right? Do you have that up there? Uh, the Titans are actually one of the best. I, I think that you're just trolling me at this point, Dave. They are the, they're giving up the fifth fewest fantasy points. And so Duke Johnson doesn't have to score very much, okay? Uh, but he has to score 5.3 points or less in order to continue the downward trend. So this is standard scoring. You don't get a point for a reception. Um, keep in mind that he, he did... Um, that he did uh, have a lot of talents going into this season. Uh, they're just sort of Cleveland has just sort of imploded a little bit. So, so let me give you this insignificant stat, which I love this year. Before you make your choice, uh, if he gets to the five point five points, then he would outscore Adrian Peterson against this very same defense. Well, just keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Three point one points was all Adrian Peterson had. I think Duke Johnson will get over 53 yards this week. 5.3, right? 5.3. That's that's all, you know, total from scrimmage. 5.3. You're I'm, going over. I'm going to go over. Hmm. I mean, that's not he, too many yards. He did that in week three and four. It's just uh, week five did not meet with such did not success. Work out. Yeah. I, I'll go over with that. Okay, I'm actually going to go under on that and say Duke Johnson falls even further into uh, into fantasy hell. Oh boy! You saying I should drop him this week? Like as I pick up waivers? What do you own him for? Do you just back up. Just like you know, as as like your jester, your court jester on your bench or something. Well, someone <laughs> who you know, still better PPR than the players player. available. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, yeah, not. Well, not if he's not, that's what I'm saying. If he's not better than the players available, is that the case now? It's looking that way. Okay, we'll see. So uh, you guys are over, so over. He's droppable. Yeah, 5.3. We'll stick that line. Okay. On to the wide receivers. Uh, Cameron Meredith in the chat room. Why don't you guys tell us what you think Meredith will get this year? I mean, this year, um, this week. So they they are playing. um, uh, Who is Chicago playing this week? The Bears play um, a team that I can tell you about in a moment. Well, okay. I'm a bad Bears fan, clearly. But uh, but you guys who are who are hanging out, uh, let us know what you think. Oh, the, I knew this. The Bear, uh, Cam, Cam and Meredith will score in a standard scoring league this week. They're hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, okay. Um, so he uh, week three at Dallas had 24 yards. Week four versus Detroit had 28 yards, but his receptions picked up. And then week five at Indianapolis, of course. The, uh, the game that put him on the fantasy radar, he was 9 for 12 for 130 yards and a touchdown, 17.6 points. So 
Welcome to the NFL. Uh, interesting side note: I've seen um, I've seen a guy uh, who happens to do these little videos about players, and I don't remember where I found this video, but he's done a couple of uh, of videos of players that nobody knows about. And Cameron Meredith was picked out before the season started as someone who could excel in the system. He would think it was an undrafted free agent or something like that. And this guy has really good measurables. Um, and uh, he's got big hands. And he's got uh, good speed, etc. So he was saying that, uh, that Meredith, if he got a chance, could be a breakout player. So could this be sort of a, a Victor Cruz, etc.? Uh, probably not on that level. But saying that you go from 2.8 to 17, and the fact that the Bears are blowing up their whole roster and allowing these younger players to play because they're trying to figure out what they are in the future, he has the opportunity to be. So with Hoyer and Meredith enjoying a bunch of good chemistry, um, both will probably be starting for the foreseeable future. The question is, can he keep the production up uh, at a high level in the NFL versus these NFL corners that know who he is now because his name is no longer buried on the roster. So let's put the number at eight points or more to continue the trend because of his previous games. You get an easy, uh, a little bit of an easier um, call here. So does Meredith wink out this week or does he prove to be someone that they're going to depend on on a week-by-week basis? Jason, I think it's yours. It's my turn to go first. Yes. Eight points or more in a standard scoring league. I go over with Cameron Meredith. Um, you know, yes, the corners are going to learn who he is pretty quickly now, but they still have Alshon Jeffrey there, so um, they've got two guys that can catch the ball. Uh, Cameron Meredith, I think, is going to continue to get targets. You know, he does have what, like, eighteen targets in the last two games. So clearly, Brian Hoyer likes throwing to him. Brian Hoyer needs to continue whatever is working for him if he wants to stay the starter. It's 20 targets in the last three games, um, but his his targets have really only come up in four right, and well, five. Well, 17 in the last two. Yes. pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I am going to say uh, under because I think that when guys come in, they either have a big breakout game and continue, or they have a big breakout game and then suddenly can't cut it. And I think that uh, it's going to be tough for him to suddenly be a star on a team like the Bears with a quarterback like Brian Hoyer, and I just can't see this production continuing from the quarterback and the wide receiver. I am also going to go under. Um, Interesting. Eddie Royal is going to be back next week. Eddie Royal got... played in week five. He had five catches. Oh, did he? Yeah. I thought he was out. Well, Eddie it was Royal Kevin White who was out. Well, Eddie, Kevin White's out. out. Out, But he's out, out. Yeah. Out, out. Cameron Meredith is taking <laughs> Kevin White's place. Well, Eddie I, is playing. I still am going to take the under. And uh, not just because Eddie Royal that should have no impact on that decision. There's just other mouths to feed. Zach Miller, I expect uh, Jordan Howard to have a huge game against Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, well, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the under. I just, you know, the, one of the other things that did influence my decision I didn't mention earlier was that the Jaguars are giving up the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers. And I think they're giving up like the fewest, you know, not the fewest because we know it's the Packers, but the top five fewest to running backs. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the Bears are going to throw the ball a lot. This isn't an issue of whether or not Cameron Meredith gets targeted by Brian Hoyer. It's an issue of whether or not Cameron Meredith is good enough to suddenly now play at this production level. So, I mean, you could be right or we could be right, and we'll, well see. Well, yards is still, you know, is is, is good production. Mm-hmm. Exactly so, my point. Exactly I, th- I, think my point. It, I think it does work out for them because... Hoyer, you know, is streaking right now. He's riding that uptrend. 
He's going to take Cameron Meredith along with him. All right. Well, <laughs> go Chicago Bears. <laughs> um, he certainly could. I, I like Jordan Howard. I like these young guys. I like what they're doing. I, I you know, they weren't going to go anywhere anyway. So uh, Adam Gase and John Fox are correct in blowing up the team. That's what they should do. That's what they are doing, and it's kind of cool. So if his uh, if his draft decisions work out in the years to come, we could actually see the Bears with a fighting chance in the NFC North. Uh, Victor Cruz, New York Giants wide receiver. Having you... all the Vikings love from earlier. I'm, I'm talking about in a few years from now, okay. perhaps. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'm being Maybe. pretty loose on this. Okay. <laughs> the Vikings are clearly um, the best team in the NFC North right now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not offensively, but it doesn't matter. Well, they're doing very well offensively now. Sure, but I mean, if it was if it was a like a competition between Nelson and Rogers and uh, Diggs and Bradford, then I think I know who I would vote for. You know, right. at the at the carnival, okay. the guy to throw it through the hole is probably I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna vote for Rogers in that battle. Um, uh, so Victor Cruz, uh, we all know him. You know, salsa dancing, etc. From several years ago, he had this this crazy injury that was not very good for his career. In fact, it was terrible for it. Uh, over the last four games, though, Cruz has had at least 50 yards or a touchdown. Week three, he had 70 yards for seven points. Week four, he had 50 yards for five points. And week five, he had zero yards for zero points. So the issue here might be the Giants' offense, Eli Manning. They're making a ton of mistakes. They're one of the teams that I like to fade defenses against now because they are just killing themselves. But Cruz has looked good this year. He's healthy. Uh, the Giants have good receivers in Sterling Shepard and Adele Beckham Jr. and Victor Cruz. There's not a real reason why he shouldn't be capitalizing on some of these targets. And it doesn't take Cruz very many points, according to our rules, to get back up out of that trend. So, will the Giants regain control of their offensive play? Uh, question one, which doesn't necessarily mean anything to the points here. Uh, Cruz plays Baltimore in week six. Will he score less than four points? Ooh. That's 40 yards. Well, it's on you yep. to go first. Uh, okay, I say that he will score more than four points. Uh, four points or more, based on my phrasing of the question. Over. Um, I'm going to go... Boy, four points is so low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go over. Okay. Let's let's bump this to five. Okay, moving to five. Um, I think he will. Man, that is really tough, isn't it? Especially now. So it's five or over. I am going to say over. Over. And I'm going to go under on this one. I was just hoping to move that line a little bit. Bumped higher. it up. Go. Bumped it up. <laughs> I think we pulled that on there earlier. I'm just returning the favor, guys. <laughs> So let's talk just for a minute about the uh, experience, the uh, Eli Manning experience right now uh, in in New York. Um, Odell Beckham has had issues, but he's still kind of getting his a little bit. He's had a couple of weeks where he was going through some kind of emotional breakdown. Um, everyone on the NFL Network seems to think that he has it all under control now, which means nothing. And we're not going to talk about the NFL Network anymore because they're loony bins. Um, <laughs> but I like Sterling Shepard a lot, especially because the attention mostly goes to Beckham. So with those two guys out there and Victor Cruz relegated to a number three, uh, which one of them has the best game this week against Baltimore? Um, is it Sterling Shepard? Is it Odell who you know 
now has his roller skates back on and, and, and does a lap? Or how does this work? Yeah, if you're a wager, man, I mean, I feel like you'd be silly to bet against Odell. Jason, could you tell us uh, how the uh, passing defense is for Baltimore? For Baltimore? Baltimore's given up some big games to receivers. 22 points to Corey Coleman. Uh, 27 points to Michael Crabtree. 17, 18 points to Allen Robinson. 12 to Pierre Garcon. Uh, otherwise, they're shutting people down. Sammy Watkins, only four. Terrell Pryor, only three. Um, Sammy Watkins and Terrell Pryor. Well, Terrell Pryor has been pretty good, but and Sammy Watkins yeah. is a good receiver before he was hurt. Uh, that was Week One. Watkins is great. Down. You're just a sour apple, man. I that's am all. so sour. With Sammy <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's gonna happen. Baltimore's giving up the 13th yeah. most fantasy points, so they're kind of middle of the road. It's feast or famine with them. Um, you know, if you think that someone can get hot on the team, then it looks like they're gonna be able to blow up Baltimore. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I think Odell is just going to – he's going to see the most targets on the team. He's going to make the most out of his targets. Um, Shepard and Cruz are going to see theirs. He needs to be catching a higher percentage of his targets. He does. Otherwise, they're going to stop Well, like, I think a lot of that – I watched the game closely because we had, a, we had a matchup and uh, everything rode on that everything, game. Everything rode everything on that game. Everything rode on that game. And, and all so, the way um, to the very end. So, I, I mean, needed that Randall Cobb catch at the very end of the game to give me just a little cushion. Eli Manning is just missing throws. There were so many times, not just to Odell, but to other receivers. He had them open, and, you know, he's missing high. He's missing, uh, you know, too far uh, too far ahead. No, like, like I pointed out yeah. last week, um, there is a... Uh, they're a good fade target for defenses to play mm-hmm. against because they've been giving up eight to twelve points every single week to the opposing uh, defense. And they're averaging eight right now, uh, you know. Maybe over the last like two weeks, I would agree. But over the season, they're middle of the pack. Sorry. In terms of fantasy points given up, you know, to a defense or special teams. No, that's great. That's that's eight a... points. Well, that's I mean, middle of the pack is eight points. I mean, that means that there's a lot better teams you can fade against. But in hindsight, Jay, I mean, you know, you're looking at the points after they've already happened. If you if you've oh, yeah. got a consistent eight, that's that's more than you can probably hope for from anybody. And it's hard to really pick the best targets because uh, a lot of those defenses are going to be owned. Right, exactly. So if you're streaming, etc., playing against New York Giants has been great, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're supposed to get Minnesota defense points because that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's going to De- happen for me because I drew, I picked them up. Well, they're the Denver of this year, along with a couple other teams. Like I, I just should put this out there. Um, I've ranked Buffalo Bills the number one defense this week for me. I think they're going to be fantastic. I would suggest picking them up in every league you possibly can, unless you own Minnesota or Denver or possibly Seattle. Well, or But I don't like Carolina. Um, Arizona is really good this week as well. But Buffalo, Minnesota man. is on bye this week. Buffalo. And I recommend holding on to them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yes. They're, they're, uh, they're scoring as many points as a... Uh, like a WR2 or a WR1. So there's no reason to, to dump them. Right. But usually defenses are scoring as many points as a bench player. Uh, that's the hope, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, moving on to the last uh, one here. It's a tight end. We have Martellus Bennett. Bennett uh, has been playing pretty well, but sporadically. The last three games, though, he went from 1 to 10 to 24 fantasy points. <laughs> week, th- week three versus Houston, he Quite had... 
Week three versus Houston, he had 10 yards. Week four versus Buffalo, 109 on five receptions. And week five at Cleveland, that's six receptions for 67 yards and three touchdowns. That is an outlier, it sounds like. Of course, this whole Gronkowski being injured and still not back to 100% health might have something to do with this. Tom Brady can take advantage of almost any situation, along with Bill Belichick whispering in his ear, which is a scary thing to even think about. Um, Now that Bennett has gone out with Tom Brady as his quarterback and scored 24 points in a fantasy game after already trending up a little, it's, it's a little daunting, considering that New England likes their two tight end sets, and for years... We've been screaming as fantasy fans for the New England to bring that back. The Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski. Well, it may finally <laughs> it may finally have happened here because Martellus Bennett is a talented pass catcher, a big the white buffalo and the black unicorn, a big target and a smart guy. <laughs> if eccentric off the field, doesn't really matter, right? So uh, scoring three touchdowns against the hapless Cleveland Browns defense in order to keep up the trend, Bennett would need to score twelve or more points in a standard scoring league this week so can he do it who's new england playing and am i up uh yeah you have to go first i'll get you that matchup info um i don't know i have to look that up new england well what do you think you know do you think Um, that he can i keep putting these points up with gronkowski i don't think they're playing cincinnati uh in new england yeah Cincinnati too um, <laughs> but I'm going to go under uh, solely based on there's it's another place there's a lot of mouths Edelman Gronk uh, you know I think he's had great games he's going to continue to have good games um, I think this is one week he puts up maybe 100 yards and Gronk sees the end zone three times instead of Martellus Bennett yeah well uh, 12 points is, is 60 and a touchdown so yeah, that's, that's so how I'm, much he needs. I'm saying 100 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, still a good game. I think he's a good play this week. I don't think he's going to get 12 okay. points. Um, I would also go under. I mean, Cincinnati hasn't been able to defend much, but they're the best tight ends that have played against them were Jesse James and Xavier Grimble, who both scored less than nine points. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they're. I think it's the fact that a lot of teams don't use the tight end. Um, but I'd have to go under the 12, even though Tom Brady will probably prove my ass wrong. Okay, well, I'm going over because I still feel like uh, Gronkowski is is the perfect kind of decoy for Bennett. Bennett's a great tight end. Gronkowski can run to the side. Everyone will follow him. And then Bennett just goes right in because there's too many people on that offense for the defense to guard everybody. As long as Bennett, Gronkowski, and Brady are all healthy, you saw they didn't even throw the ball to Edelman. The whole scheme was Martellus Bennett. <laughs> How cool was that for him? Well, it worked out very well. That was well. last game, yeah. So, over. So, Dave yeah. is bold this week. He went over on five of the seven players. Let's get some fancy points. And Mike is a waffler who went under, over, under, over, under, over, under, over, under. There we go. I didn't even realize <laughs> Oh, waffler. Got it. So, the tiebreaker is uh, fantasy points for Sammy Coates at Miami Standard Scoring. So, you have to just pick the number. There's Who's not going to be a line here. Who's first? I, I, I'll have to go first because right. it's on me. Um, so Sammy Coates had a, a great game last week, uh, and he he put up six receptions for 139 yards and two touchdowns. They are playing um, at Miami, and Pittsburgh uh, shouldn't have an issue throwing the ball against Miami based on other teams' performances. 
but we'll see. So, Jason, how are you? Uh, how are you? I want to start this off at. Hmm. Boy, I just think he's going to drop the ball too much. He keeps doing that. Yeah, he's got stone go hands. Eight. 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 Okay. Well, not closest without going over, blah, blah, blah. Just it's closest. just whatever. Um, so I'm going to say that Coates scores another touchdown, but doesn't have as many yards um, for a total of 11 points. <laughs> Leaving you the third option. And I am going to take. Uh, Sammy Coates having 15 points. 15. Yeah. All right. That's the over. Yeah, I that's think he's, he's good for 90 over. yards. Very good, sir. Very good. That's a big game. So the winner will get Kuma's corner. And the losers will be splitting that bill. All right. That sounds delicious. That does. <laughs> and these are better. You know, I like these more than the season long just because we get to find out the uh, like we can result to, right away. We can go to Kuma's corner in two weeks. We totally could. We could go there in one week. No, no, probably not. <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> let's 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 move on a little bit here. So uh, I just want to touch upon some other articles that people have written on the website. Uh, Drink5.com is where you can go to check out all of the latest uh, news articles and columns based on our staff writers. Uh, in particular, this week I want you to check out the "Who Do I Start" column from Troy Maples. Uh, he suggests that you start Brian Hoyer versus Jacksonville, Dak Prescott at Green Bay. Both guys that you can probably pick up in uh, in a one-quarterback league. Um, maybe Dak would be a little bit more difficult. But in general, those guys are not the top quarterbacks, even though they've been playing pretty well. Wide receivers Cole Beasley at Green Bay and Willie Sneed versus Carolina. I don't want people to forget about Willie Sneed because he was injured for a little while there. But when he comes back, he's probably going to make another big impact. And although Carolina had a great defense last year, they just seem like they have some more holes in it this year. Uh, Frank Gore at Houston is a is a who do I start for running back. Um, the Colts should use Gore more in week six and uh, also m- more used in the passing game. And Hunter Henry versus Denver as a tight end. Now, Troy has written a number of, uh, of paragraphs here, so there's a lot of information that I'm not giving you. So please go check that out. Uh, and then also the uh, waiver wire pickups, courtesy of uh, Jim Hutchins. Let's talk a little bit about those. Um, Jason, while you were uh, um, drinking beer earlier, Mike and I were talking about some of the waiver wire picks based on a question in the chat room. And uh, we went over these players just briefly. So I want to get a little roundtable thing. Give me uh, just a sentence on the player. It'll be fun. So uh, Alex Smith, uh, this week versus Oakland, uh, just give me a sentence on how he'll do. Fantastic. Yeah. He didn't even a sentence. He just had a word. It's got a period at the end. I'm going to go with top 10 quarterback this week. I like top 15. Uh, James White, uh, New England, uh, doing pretty well with Tom Brady returning. He had 26 yards on five carries and 63 yards on four catches. Uh, In the first half, probably before the Patriots started destroying the living daylights out of their opponent. So we're, it's one of those things, right? It's a scheme game mm-hmm. where like uh, Blunt's going to be in there if they're if they're up by a lot. White's going to be the guy if they're not. Um, I want you to do two things. One, give me uh, your couple words or a sentence on how James White's going to do. And two, tell me whether or not you think uh, Deion Sims will come back and supplant James White as a running back. Um, first off, I think uh, this week. What Deion Sims? Oh, I'm sorry, not Deion, Deion Lewis. Sims. Deion, Sims. Deion Lewis. Okay. 
You're crossing teams. I was a little confused. Uh, I think White's going to have a, a good week, a solid week. Uh, nothing too crazy, just a solid uh, fantasy performance. And I think Deion Lewis, when he is healthy, is going to come back and take his role. Jason. So it looks like that'll be week nine. Um, I agree that Deion Lewis will take his role. You know, White hasn't doesn't have the explosiveness that Lewis has. All right, Devontae Booker, Denver, uh, taking carries away from C.J. Anderson. Will that continue? And how does Booker do this week? Yes, I think uh, they continue to timeshare. And this week, I don't think Booker does anything fantasy relevant. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, five carries maybe for him. Uh, It's going to be all C.J. Anderson this week. Yeah, well, he only got four or fewer touches than CJ uh, last week, so we'll see if he takes a big, sizable they amount away or not. Very rarely, you know, very strangely down in that game, so they did not want to run the ball. Um, I, think I know that you're just a you really you really want CJ Anderson week, to do well, I especially understand. with um, <laughs> especially with Gary Kubiak out. I'm just going to play conservative. You're talking me off the bridge. I already jumped off of with CJ Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> That's San Diego's second most points to fantasy running backs. Gary Kubiak out with migraines. Uh, Kenneth Dixon, 38% owned as an honorable mention. He only had one point in fantasy leagues last week. Now, he just came back and had a knee brace, and now he's finally healthy and getting to the point where he could take over for West and be the lead back. How many weeks is that going to take for him to have an actual role ready for him to play uh, fantasy football? I don't know if it happens this year. Uh, Terrence West is running the ball well, um, pretty well, and uh, Baltimore is still in the hunt. Maybe if they fall behind and the Steelers just run away with this – with the division, then we might see Kenneth Dixon come in there uh, when he's fully healthy and see what he can do for the future. So you don't think the 38% of uh, Yahoo owners that own Kenneth oh, Dixon I, are uh, are founded in their... Uh... He's a lottery ticket at this point. <laughs> sure, but you don't think that he's going to end up being fantasy relevant? No. Jason? Um, I think anything can happen right now with the changing of the offensive coordinator. Um, it's, you know, a lot of things that I see with these young players who sit out part of the season, when they come back, they don't have a big role in the game for a a week or two, but then they're going to get them involved as much as they can if that is sort of the destiny for that player. It does seem like Dixon will be the guy who's going to take over there. I I don't see Terrence West as a guy who can fight anyone off. So I do think that Dixon will be fantasy relevant this year. I think that you do need to pick him up if you've got the space and the time to wait. You don't need him... I wouldn't start him right away, but you might be starting him next week. Cameron Meredith, we talked about earlier. He was only 4% owned as of uh, earlier um, in the day today on Yahoo Leagues. So I think it might be 5 now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if people have waivers, etc. in their process. But yeah, 5% maybe. Anyway, uh, he's probably the number one waiver wire pick on, in most leagues. Um, if Sammy Coates and Jordan Howard and all the rest of those higher owned guys are already gone. So, number two guy behind Alshon Jeffrey with Brian Hoyer as the quarterback. Again, who knows what's going to happen, but give me your impression on Meredith's... uh, Is he still relevant in week 14 of the uh, NFL football season? 
I think he's still relevant week 14 in the NFL season. Um, I think Cutler or Hoyer or uh, somebody else, um, you know, he's a, he's a young guy. They really they are going to want to see what they have for the future. So, yeah, I think he's going to be around. Kevin White's out till about week 14, isn't he? Kevin White's probably going to go on IR and have surgery. Yeah, he's probably going to be gone for the whole year. Okay. Uh, and, and you know what? I don't even know that they would force Kevin White back if uh, Cameron Meredith was good enough to keep playing that long. I, I do think that he's going to be a relevant player uh, as long as he doesn't get injured. I think that he'll be there uh, as the number one or number two based on, you know, is Alshon Jeffrey going to be playing? I think that uh, he'll be in the conversation for a little while as a waiver pickup. I don't know that everyone is going to pick him up this week. Um, but you know what? There weren't a lot of injuries or anything. There weren't a lot of replacements. Uh, the only thing I think that would keep the waiver pickups down a little is that there's a lot of players coming back from injury right now. Uh, that may be, they may limit the waiver pickups a little bit. Um, but Cameron Meredith, you know, I think that he's going to be okay. I, I don't think that he's going to move his way into like a WR2 overall. Um, but it may be that, you know, in a given week, he's like a solid WR3 based on matchups. Okay, let's get back to the lightning round because now we're all saying paragraphs, and I understand. So, lightning round, Jeremy Curley, how many fantasy points does he score this week? I say that in a standard scoring league, Jeremy Curley scores seven fantasy points. He scores four fantasy points. He scores ten fantasy points. All right. Uh, gentlemen's bet. Uh, honorable mention of Robert Woods, <laughs> what, what Buffalo, they? 29% owned. I believe that was uh, 7, 4, and 10. 7, okay. 4, and 10. 7,410. Uh, Robert Woods, 29% owned. Buffalo, he is the number one receiver there now, but he's not that great of a receiver. Now, last year, uh, this sort of the same thing happened for a time, and Robert Woods had games where he put up some good points, but he had games where he didn't. He thinks he's going to be sporadic this season, just like he was then. So how many points does Robert Wood score uh, this week? And my answer is seven fantasy points. <laughs> uh, Robert Woods is going to score 11 fantasy points this so week. So he gets a touchdown. Can I just go under? <laughs> uh, five fantasy points. I do not think that he gets swifty. Okay. Uh, tight end Jesse James. Uh, James is obviously the number one tight end there. But there's been whispers of Ladarius Green coming back now and actually entering into the offense. And I think these are pretty founded rumors. Uh, he says he's 100%. The, uh, there's been, I've seen some couple videos within the organization that say he's 100%. So he would be coming back in week seven. Uh, and Ladarius Green, maybe he takes a week or two to you know, get up to spec. But I think Ladarius Green takes the job away and maybe even becomes a top 10 tight end for that portion of the season. Uh, I just want you guys to answer one thing for me. That is, does Ladarius Green play for the Steelers and score fantasy points this season? I'd love to say yes. I haven't heard any of the rumors. Uh, I feel like a bad Steelers fan because <laughs> I've been traveling so much and haven't been able to read so much fantasy news. But, um, yeah, I'm going to say yeah just because, I mean, the Steelers would be unstoppable. If we had uh, Ladarius Green at tight end, another threat on top of everything else. And, I mean, James has uh, found the end zone in three of the last four games and caught six of eight for 43 yards in week five. So, 
I mean, he's already a good tight end. They might end up doing two tight end sets if they bring back a guy like Green. Yeah, but what Green gives you is a tight end who can stretch the field. Downfield, exactly. Right. If you can have a downfield yeah. guy, and that's all that, you know. Yeah, Jesse ben James. wants is someone yeah. who can catch the ball deep down the middle. Jesse he James kind of thrown it there. <laughs> he looks like an elephant when he catches the ball. <laughs> he's like he like lumbers a little bit. Yeah. So Ladarius Green's an he's actual a, receiver. He's a plotter, but he's a tight end, so that's a given. Yeah. So uh, so do you agree with us? You you see him coming back and playing, or you don't you don't think? No, no so? I do, I do. I they need him, and if he can play, he's going to help the team. Yeah. Okay, well, you heard it here first, so if he's available on your waiver wire, I would suggest picking him up if you're having serious tight end difficulties because there's not really any good tight ends to stream this year. There just aren't any. Yeah, they're just not playing up to snuff at all. Uh, uh, 7% owned. Speaking of, Cameron Brait, uh 41% owned. He was a, a big pull. Uh, a lot of people picked him up when he had a pretty good game. Uh, after Austin Safarian Jenkins got cut from the team, Brait is the number one guy. But it doesn't seem like he's getting enough targets to really be relevant in that offense. And there was a reason why Austin Safarian Jenkins was starting above him over the previous years. It's because he's better than him uh, athletically and, and technically. So Cameron Brait, does he become fantasy relevant uh, as the number one tight end for Tampa Bay? Or do we forget about that name pretty quickly? I think we forget about that name pretty quickly. Uh there's just other guys I'd rather have that are in the same caliber and probably percentage own, maybe a Dennis Pitta uh, or a guy like that I'd rather have over Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait is too dependent on his bad quarterback. And that's the problem is that the quarterback's bad and he's not going to be consistent enough. So they have a easy enough schedule that I think – he keeps getting kicked around. So I do think that we'll keep knowing about the name. But unless quarterback improves, he's not going to be fantasy worthy. Answer the question. <laughs> so forget forget about his name? Um, yes. I think that, yeah, you because I don't think the quarterback's going to improve that much. Okay, forget about him, guys. Uh, Tennessee Titans as a defense to pick up. They're only 6% owned. Uh, they have been consistently average, says Jim, but uh, they go up a couple pegs because they play against Cleveland, and Cleveland is always uh, giving some fantasy points for free. They've, they've got like a big bag of them. They're handing them out to teams. <laughs> uh, another really good fade target. So uh, thank you, Jim. As always, uh, check out drink5.com for more articles. I would like to uh, hand it over to Jason just to talk about a couple of the really neat statistics from this past week um, from a column that is called... Statistically insignificant. Yeah, I mean, we'll have a whole jingle, you know, one of these days. <laughs> You're going to give me my own theme song? Well, not you, the column. The column, right. What are we trying okay. to popularize here? I don't, you know, we should put a giant picture of your face on the column, though, I think. Uh, well, you know, we'll see. I can do it. I have the skills. <laughs> you have the power. You have the technology. Uh, so, um, I, I always end up writing one after Thursday night, and half the time the set goes bad because someone else matches it and uh i I thought for sure this was going to happen again but david johnson did have the season high of 157 yards uh rushing and um there was two guys who came really close on sunday uh so i'm glad that i got to stick with that one so um if you do have david johnson if you're starting him in any of your leagues uh you're a very happy human being because he is going to be scoring i think 20 points a week for a while (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he is. He's an animal. Unless they play the Vikings or yep. something like that. 
They're going to just keep crushing everyone around. Um, so early in the season, I was complaining that there was no punt return touchdowns. And this week, in the first half of the noon games, we got three punt return touchdowns. Wow, who it are they? Sweet. Vikings won, right? The Vikings were one yep. of them. Jameson Crowder returned one for the Redskins, yep. and the uh, Dolphins had one. I don't go. know who on the Dolphins got it. Um, and I don't remember who it was in the Vikings either. I remember um, watching a Red Zone channel and just being like, it's never my defense. I had uh, Miami last week based on a matchup, and oh. I just can't ever seem to land those uh, punt return touchdowns. You know, the Vikings have worked out for me. Yeah. In in my dynasty league, I grabbed them early in the year, like before the season started, and in a league when I was doing very poorly, I took them as my number one waiver priority. If you have the Vikings, you're And happy. I'm going to keep them yes. all year, Absolutely. and they helped me win last week for the first time. Yep. So, uh, 406 passing yards. Who's 406 passing yards? It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady. And his middle finger tour. So, they kicked it off with a bang in Cleveland. He uh, threw three touchdowns uh, to Martellus Bennett, which makes Gronkowski owners squirm a little bit. I do know from personal experience. Um, so, the, the Bengals are next. I would expect everything to return a bit more to normal. Um, don't worry, Edelman owners either. Uh, Tom Brady will get to you. Um, so... 81 years, right? The two top kickers of this week, and Roberto Aguayo had a chance to be one of the top kickers, uh, but he totally freaking blew it. Um, so the two top kickers have 81 years between them. So that would be Adam Vinatieri, who is 43. Uh, he was the first guy this season to hit 20 points as a kicker. Uh, he went 5 for 5. Two of those were 50-plus yards. He had an extra point. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski, who is 38, uh, went four for five, uh, which is nice for Janikowski owners because he only had four attempts through the first four games. So to get four field goals in one game is pretty sweet. So um, congrats, guys. That was, yep. that was very good. And then um, we, we started the show talking about these guys. We might as well end the show talking about them. The 5-0 and Minnesota Vikings, who have had to replace their starting quarterback and replace their starting running back, um, are just rolling over everybody. And it's really impressive. Um, and what I mentioned in the column uh, is the little schedule breakdown I said earlier where that, you know, they're going to play the Bears, the Lions, and the Eagles in the next three games, which pretty much guarantees them a 7-1 record <laughs> in my in my view. Yeah. Not saying that the Eagles or someone's going to beat them, but um, you they, know, I think at most they could only lose one of those three games. They could be 8-0. Easily yep. could be 8-0 after yep. the way that defense plays. They could give... Um, Carson Wentz's first real interception. Yeah. You know, the, the only interception he has is like a Hail Mary at the end of the game. Those, you, you shouldn't even count them against It wasn't the that much of a Hail Mary. It wasn't a good throw. Well. It was just like a post down the middle. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. It was desperate. It was desperate. It was desperate. Yes, it was. We should just start calling things that aren't great, great. Great. Brait. It, it, was, it that was, wasn't Brait. No, it was Brait. It was Brait. That was a Brait throw he made. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Is that is that all of the the figures? That would be all of the stats. Them yeah. facts and figures. That's the last one. All right. Well, uh, unless someone else has something to add, I think we we should wrap it up. Yeah. I'm good. Well, uh, cheers to all of you guys out there for listening to us. Uh, and if you are listening live, go ahead and give us a, a little bit of a, of a heart. And uh, that's in Mixler, of course. If you don't have Mixler, you can download it on your iOS or Android devices and follow Drink5 so that you'll know exactly when we're uh, podcasting. And you can hear us on 830 
uh, I'm sorry, on Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. So uh, tune in next time, and, and thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me on.